Hello and welcome to CBO Speaks. I'm your host, Donna Sheely, and happy to have you with us today. Today, we have Doug Schantz, Vice President for Business Affairs at Clark State College in Ohio. Thanks for joining us today, Doug. Well, thanks for having me, Donna. Glad to be here. Yes. So, Doug, you know, and looking at your background, unlike many of the CBOs I interview, you are from the city in which you are now a CBO, right? That is right. You, you've done your homework. I Very do. good, Donna. Just a little bit, you know. <laughs> I try to prepare. Well, okay. before we get into that and that dynamic, I want you to tell us how long you've been at Clark State and then give us a little history of your journey to Clark State College. I've been at Clark State now. It's been a little over two years. So I actually came to Clark State during the pandemic, uh, which is one of those things I thought it was unique um, in making that transition during the pandemic. But the pandemic ended ended up lasting so long that uh, there's lots of folks that ended up transitioning during the pandemic. So it wasn't quite as uh, special as maybe I thought it was uh, early on. Um, but uh, as far as uh, my my higher ed career um, it kind of, you know, goes back to um, a little bit of, of my my college career, I, I guess, is, is what I would share is, you know, I um, it's important to keep in mind that I'm a first gen college student. Um, you know, my mom was a public servant. She's a retired police officer. Uh, my dad is an exceptional welder and fabricator. And so college wasn't really necessarily something that was reinforced uh, during during my upbringing. Um, it just wasn't something that was part of the normal kitchen table conversations that, that you would have with, with your parents. And that was okay. That, that was fine. Um, but, you know, I did end up, there were some, some community members in the Springfield area, um, you know, that were supporting me through high school and encouraging me and thinking, you know, Doug, you really do need to think about college. And and uh, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm going to do this. And uh, I actually applied and I got into Wittenberg University. And uh, I started going to college there. And then this is um, something I don't share with too many people. So, you know, this might be like um, uh, comp- chief business officer confidential here, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 but, but what happened was, is I ended up dropping out after a couple semesters and and it wasn't because of academics. I was doing great in academics. I mean, it was challenging. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it came down to the financial reasons for it. And, um, you know, everything was, I had great scholarships to help provide support, but the conversation was kind of leading the way towards I was going to have to take out federal student loans to, to cover the gap. And for me, and I remember it was about $3,500, uh, you know, so this was in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, for me, that might as well have been like, you know, $25,000 or $50,000. And I just didn't feel comfortable in um, doing that. And, and so I ended up uh, stopping out um, from college and I went into the workforce. And uh, um, so that uh, workforce-wise, I, I went into banking, uh, was where I found a home um, for a couple of years, started out as a teller and um, worked my way through um, uh, lending. And then uh, my final role before I had left, I was a credit analyst for the commercial lending um, department there. So great experience, good experience, um, but wasn't really checking all the boxes for me at that young of an age. And, and so uh, I went on to something that was totally different. 
and uh, I became a, um, a service manager for uh, a prominent regional uh, Dodge um, dealership uh, here here in the area, and uh, did that for for a little while. And it, it was it was after a couple of years being there. Uh, a, a, a friend um, that I had from church, uh, one of the church ladies, they're kind of like my second or third moms, um, all of them said, Doug, you know, there's this opportunity at Wittenberg. I think you would be really good. I think you should apply, you know, given your banking background, I, I think that you would naturally fit into it. And and um, I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll think about it and, and I'll see. And um, I did. I went ahead and applied and uh, I didn't have high expectations that I was going to get a job at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio. Um, but, you know, going through the process and doing everything, I ended up getting offered the job and I started um, at Wittenberg in the student accounts office, um, which I, I would say started, you know, my whole experience in the business office uh, side of things, um, more so on the student student aspect of it. And so I ended up, that was the beginning of my 23-year tenure at Wittenberg University. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, worked in a number of uh, various capacities, always within the business office, taking on um, more responsibilities and getting exposed to more things. Um, and uh, But what was really nice about that opportunity, um, there was a couple things. One was working at the Dodge dealership. I was working six days a week, probably 10 plus hours a day, uh, not really any work-life balance to speak of. And so going to Wittenberg helped to to infuse that into my life a little bit. But the other thing was, is I got to finish my degree. I got to go back to school. Um, and one of the benefits of, was tuition remission. And so not only did I get to go back to school, but I got to do it without acquiring any debt. And, and, and so, um, you know, always appreciative for Wittenberg taking a chance on me and hiring me um, so that I had that opportunity um, to, to finish my education because uh, it was an important thing. So, so anyway, spent my 23 years at Wittenberg in a number of different positions, and uh, they helped me to um, equip me with the right tools and, you know, give me the confidence to be able to um, take this opportunity that I, that I have in this role that I have here now at Clark State College, which Wittenberg and Clark State, they're both in the same community. So it was, it was a, a wonderful opportunity um, because Clark State, their mission and their charge aligns very well with my passion as it relates to college accessibility and affordability. And, and then also just the engagement in the community. Community. I'm very community minded. And um, so that kind of gives you um, a little bit of a, of a snapshot of, you know, how I got to where I was in education. Um, it was not something that I necessarily sought out. I, if you would have asked me in, in my, my teenage years or even in my early 20s that, you know, um, that, that, you know, someone would have told me that, Doug, you're going to be a lifer in higher ed. I would have laughed. I would have said, I'm not really sure, you know, what you're talking about. That makes absolutely no sense. Um, but here I am 25 years later and uh, still going strong and, and uh, loving and enjoying every minute of it, every minute of it. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. CBL Confessions. I love yes, it. There you go. <laughs> I love that. So talk to us about the Community Acts aspect, because, you know, as we started off saying that you are from the city, 
in which you are now a CBO. So tell us a little bit of the advantages of that, of being growing up there. And now you get to be in this position. And I know you get to work with people in the city. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and the advantages you find in that. It's been a great experience, and and it is something that is exciting. Um, Being in the role that I'm in, uh, Clark State College collaborates with the city um, and and our community really on a a number of initiatives. And and it is nice, um, you know, being born and raised in Springfield, Ohio, to kind of in a way be giving back to the community that supported me um, for so many years, and and to really be. Um, driving and, and helping to support the efforts that we're doing um, to help Springfield to grow and, and prosper. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm excited about, like even right now, you know, project that we're working on is a, um, a new construction of a fire station, an active fire station that the city is going to be doing close to Clark State's campus. And we're going to be embedding our fire academy in that active fire station. And um, so, you know, we're going through all the processes that any construction project would have and um, having all the conversations that, that need to need to be had. And, and um, it's just a, it's a great, great opportunity to, to collaborate and partner, not only with the city of Springfield, but then also other community stakeholders, whether, whether it be our local STEM Academy or our local chamber, um, you know, things that we can do to help promote um, not only education, but workforce development uh, initiatives within the community. And so it's, it's neat to be in a position uh, in which I'm able to have an impact on that. And um, I, I don't take it for granted. I feel very blessed to, to be part of that and, and to continue to, to help to move the city forward um, through this opportunity that I have with Clark State. You kind of touched on it, but talk to us a little bit more about what makes Clark State College unique and about your students that you serve. One of the things that I really admire about Clark State is, and again, this gets into something that's part of my personal um, passion as well, but college accessibility and affordability. And, you know, so one I'll, I'll touch on is affordability. I mean, Clark State has one of the lowest uh, tuitions in the state of Ohio. Um, we're at $170 a credit hour is, is what it is um, this fall semester. And, you know, so that makes, um, you know, when you factor in um, federal aid like the, the Pell Grant and or, um, you know, student loan resources, I mean, it really makes it very much accessible from a financial aspect um, for most folks uh, wanting to, to have a college experience. So that gets into the affordability, but also on accessibility, what I like about Clark State is, is we're able to meet students where they're at. Um, you know, we we connect and engage with our students. Um, you know, some of our classes are in person, uh, some are online, um, you know, some are hybrids. Uh, you know, some of our classes take place not here on our campus. I, I mean, it, it can take place. Uh, we have a strong College Credit Plus program in the state of Ohio, and we have teachers embedded in some of our high schools in the area. So, I guess what I what I like again getting into college affordability and accessibility. Um, Clark State has that in spades. I mean, they just do a, an excellent job with that. The other thing that I like about Clark State is that um, we're able to be responsive in a um, efficient and effective manner to to the needs of our community um, in a way that's not always 
you're able to do. Um, it, it's hard in higher ed for some institutions to be able to do that, but we really excel and and that ability and and um, again to have that meaningful impact and that engagement. Um, you know, but but doing it in a timely manner that that really helps to keep the ball rolling and, and helping to achieve again the workforce and educational goals uh, for for the folks that we serve. That's awesome. Awesome. So talk to us about your first impressions of being a CBO. You know, did anything surprise you? One of the things that I always had the benefit of prior to being a CBO is that I always had a CBO and um, that I could uh, bounce things off of, rely upon. I always had to make lots of decisions uh, during my tenure in higher ed. But, you know, until you're the CBO, um, you're not the the you know, there's always other folks involved in some of those decision-making processes. And so now sitting in that seat and being the CBO, um, I don't have that benefit always. Um, so, you know, I'm having to be the person that's making the decisions that need to be made. And uh, so that's that's something that um, there's goods and bads to that, uh, certainly. Um, good in the sense that, you know, as long as you know what you're doing and you're seasoned and you've been in the industry, you know what, what a good decision is. Bad in the sense that it's always it was always nice to have that crutch, <laughs> per right. se, um, in the past to, to lean upon. But, but I still do have that crutch because I have a, a great executive team that I work with. I have a great president that I work with. And so, um, you know, especially... Uh, some of the more important decisions. They're not made in a silo, um, not at all. Um, and then also have a great peer network to be able to bounce some things off of as it relates to best practices. But I would say from a challenging aspect, that shift is is one of the things um, that you need to be prepared for as you're taking on this role if you've never been in it before um, and, and understand that, um, you know, it is a great deal of responsibility, but it's a it's a, it's a good thing when done well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of responsibility, let's talk about what's under your umbrella there at um, Clark State College. What what all do you have to um, do day to day and what do you spend a lot of your time on or focused on day to day? So I've got multiple areas uh, that report up through um, business affairs. Um, certainly, um, you know, our controller's office does, which that encompasses accounts payable, accounts receivable, um, our grant activity, um, you know, all of our audit and, um, you know, reporting that we have to do, our cash management, actually our cashier student accounts office that reports up through the controller's office. That's, um, I, I, that one's very near and dear to me, given my, my past experience in, in that in that area. And it's one, you know, the one area that's very student facing for the business uh, affairs office. Um, so certainly have all of that. Uh, and then also um, we've got uh, our, our business services, which includes our um, bookstore and food services, our copy center, our mail room, um, all of those things report up uh, through through business affairs. Um, also have uh, facilities, and, and that's pretty common in our arena, uh, I would say. Um, and, and that's kind of exciting. I was just talking at an orientation with new um, faculty and staff yesterday, and I was talking about the glamorous aspects of facilities and some of the not so glamorous aspects of, of facilities. And I was using some of our um, big projects as the glamorous side and, and uh, keeping track of toilet paper is maybe the less glamorous side uh, <laughs> of things that we have to do. Um, so, you know, I've got facilities uh, and then also separate from facilities, but very much uh 
combined as grounds. Uh, you know, um, we take uh, our grounds very, very uh, seriously here. And I mean, it's the first impression that a lot of folks have when they come to campus and have a great director of grounds um, who just does a phenomenal job. Even um, she she grows all of the flowers that we plant on our campus. So we don't have to go out for that. It's all done in our greenhouse here on site, which is kind of neat. Um, And then uh, I've got HR uh, also reports up uh, through, through business affairs and, um, you know, that's, that's always exciting. There's always something going on with, with HR and I'm a people person. So HR, I, I really do enjoy because, uh, that is, um, you know, a, a very, uh, people aspect of, uh, our roles that, that, that I think CBOs have, um, if they have HR reporting up through them. Well, okay. The buzzword, Doug, right now is post pandemic. Um, a lot of people are saying that. And what is something that is unique about your current role um, post-pandemic, and um, what do you see for the future uh, of your role now that we're kind of moving out of, because you started there when it all hit, and now we're kind of coming out. So do you see some shifts in your role personally and as a whole for CBOs in higher ed? I do, Donna. I think, um, you know, the pandemic, uh, there's you know, positives and negatives, I, I think, with the pandemic and, and uh, pros and cons, you know, from it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I look at as far as a silver lining with the pandemic is it catapulted us um, much further ahead in evolving as an industry um, than I, I think we would have achieved, you know, maybe within even the next five to 10 years. Like it really caused all of us to, um get it into high gear pretty quickly so that we can start meeting the needs of our students and, and our faculty and staff and, and figuring out flexible ways to be able to um, accommodate, you know, work from home and working remotely and technology. And, and so, um, you know, I, I, that is one thing, you know, the pandemic, there's probably going to be lots of books written, you know, about the pandemic and how it was a catalyst for so many things. And, and so higher ed shouldn't be any different. There should be some books dedicated directly uh, just on higher ed. But as far as, um, you know, looking post-pandemic, you know, the future of the CBO role, um, I think it requires you to look at the future of higher education as a whole. And, um, you know, I think we need to think about all of the things that we've been living, you know, in the past year or two. And, you know, some of the things, um, you know, you know, like curriculum delivery, um, in person versus online, Um, we need to think about our facilities. And how are we going to utilize our facilities post pandemic and maximize them to their fullest, especially if we see, you know, a lot more online engagement versus the in person engagement. Um, And, you know, we also need to think about the needs of our students, uh, you know, I think it's it's going to continue to evolve. You know, they're getting used to on-demand learning. I mean, I, I see it evolving in that way. And so we've got to think about um, as CBOs, you know, how are we going to support that? Um, how are we going to mitigate barriers, remove um, hurdles? You know, what are the things that we can do to help our institutions evolve in that manner and and to support them? And And so, you know, we're we're going to have to think outside of the box, probably a little more so uh, than we might be used to. We might have to get outside of our comfort zone a little bit because I think, 
you know, in the past, higher ed is very much steeped in uh, a, a very structured model, you know, in our mode of delivery and, and, and our, our, how we did all of our engagement with students and how faculty and staff work together and departments and divisions work together. And, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to be a little less structured in, in some ways. And that's hard for a CBO to say, because I live in a, a very, I, my mind, I, I like structure. It gives me comfort, but we're going to have to think about how we can adapt and, and evolve. Um, and I think we need to look back on the pandemic as being a catalyst for that and, and continuing to grow. Um, and, and certainly, and I think most folks have said this, you know, we're not going to go back to the way things were, you know, pre-pandemic, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't at all. Um, so, so I think that's um, one thing, and then, and then just kind of relate it to it. I, I do believe thinking globally, you know, one of the words that I like to think about, you know, NACUBO stands for the National Association of College and University Business Officers. Well, a movement I like to see is I'd like us to change that first N to nimble. So we are nimble association of college and university business offers and, and and we're able to pivot and react and engage and do everything and and in an efficient and effective manner so that we can you know support what's what that landscape's going to look like uh you know moving forward i like that nimble yeah i mean it kind of forced everyone to be nimble and to you know we had to be flexible you had to you know, learn how to shift and change and get out of that box, as you were talking about earlier. And I know for CBOs, that can be a little difficult, <laughs> for yes. sure, for All sure. Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me, Doug, about what you're most passionate about um, as a CBO. Passionate about as a CBO, again, as personal and professional, um, I'm passionate about student success. And, and it, it has a lot to go back to, you know, some of the things I shared with you early on as a first gen college student and experiencing the struggles that they would have experienced, you know, financially and otherwise. And, and so, you know, what I try to do and embrace um, in my role is trying to think of how we can support those that support student success. Okay. And, and so, you know, I'm very passionate about trying to find out, uh, and I reference this a little bit, but again, where the roadblocks are, where the hurdles are, um, you know, uh, amongst our executive team, amongst our various departments and divisions, and trying to strategize and find ways uh, creatively creatively, um, you know, to, to mitigate those so that we can focus on student success. So I'm very passionate about that. And then I think the other thing that I, I believe very strongly in is um, I believe in uh, team development and team building. Um, I think it's important to uh, support your team. You know, those that uh, report up through business affairs, uh, I, I care a great deal about each of them and the jobs that they do. Uh, I care, uh, you know, I want to know where their pain points are. I want to know the wins um, that they're having. And uh, I want to know how I can support them um, to be successful in, in each of their roles. And so um, I, I believe strongly in team development. That's something that uh, uh, I think goes hand in hand. Because if you can have a team that's firing on all cylinders and doing everything that they can do and, and doing great work, really, at the end of the day, I guess maybe it's... Um, Maybe it's for self-benefit or gain, but it makes my job easier <laughs> when, when that's happening. So I do like to invest in, in my team and, and help them to, to do and be all that they can for, for the institution. 
That's great. That's great. So what is your vision for yourself and in higher ed? What do you see your future? <laughs> uh, you mean as career-wise? What, yes. what do I plan on doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, uh, I'm enjoying the role that I have now, and I, I think it's great. And, and I think I, I um, will, I look forward to continuing to grow in this role um, professionally. I imagine that, you know, that I will probably always be connected um, in the business affairs, business office side of things uh, would, would be my assumption as far as my trajectory. Um, really, again, to be honest, if you would have reached out to me, to young Doug uh, back in the late 90s um, and, and, and said I would be getting to do what I'm doing today, I, I, I just I would have laughed. Um, but but uh, so, so to think about uh, what I might be doing in the future, I don't know. But I will say also, one of the things, and I've always tried to do this, um, you know, during my tenure in higher ed, but um, getting involved and engaged in, um, you know, organizations like Nakubo, Kakubo, Ohio, we have our own group called Okubo. Um, you know, I, I think those are things that also um, kind of fill my cup and uh, help keep me um, engaged and excited about the future of higher ed. And so I will probably continue to to find ways to um, you know, plug myself into those opportunities and, and support, um, you know, not only the industry, but also, you know, our peers across the, the, the state, the region or the nation um, in, in those efforts. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we close out, Doug, tell us your definition of a successful CBO. <laughs> oh, well, I think a successful CBO, uh, um, we're always held uh, to, to our budgets. <laughs> <laughs> and to our numbers and uh so so you know i think i think uh being able to find and, and promote a, a balanced budget every year is is a uh, mandatory box that we should check as as cbo's but um as far as being a successful cbo i think um you know we need to look at our institutions you know when we came on board and uh you know whenever that time comes when when you leave or you're done and you need to think about how you contributed it to the success of the institution how you contributed to the success of the people around you and just really how you moved it forward during that time and and um i think that's the most important thing is that um you know the the growth of the organization is something that we should be very focused on um and and the healthy growth of the organization and 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 promoting um its ability to again support students and to support faculty and to support staff uh you know that's that's beyond balanced budgets that's what i would i would i would deem to be um you know successful in this role awesome well, thank you so much, Doug, for joining well, sure. us today on CBO well, yeah. Speaks. We appreciate yeah, your for, time. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me, Donna. I appreciate it. Yeah, you can find out more about today's episode by visiting podcast at nakubo.org under professional development. Then click online education. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Doug Shantz from Clark State College, I want to thank you for joining us on CBO Speaks. I'm Donna Sheely. Be well.